0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show. Guys, you know I always bring it, right? Well, honey, I'm bringing it today. That's right. I've got with me a legend. You heard me, a legend. Let me introduce the one and only Norman Fox. Say hello to everyone, Norman.
1: Hi, Jerry. Hi, folks. It's great to be with you. I hope you're all having a great day.
0: So, I'm really honored to have this interview. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for giving this to me, first of all.
1: It's uh, my pleasure.
0: So, you know, I want uh, I want you to have the, the floor. I want you to be able to tell your fans and my listeners everything and anything it is that you want them to know. Um, but I do have a, a really silly question for you because I read some of your biography and all that. And I always wondered where the name the Rob Roys came from. And well, you, know, I always, you, I you tell them. I get that
1: question all the time. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably everybody's first question, where did the Rob Roys come from? Well, we were originally, uh, when we started the group, we were called the Velvetones. And we went to, when we went to try to get a record contract, uh, the record company that was interested in us uh, did not like the, uh, the name The Velvet Tones because there were too many tone groups out there, oh. like the cleft tones and the harp tones. Oh. So they asked us to see if we could come up with another name. Um, at the time, I was, you know, I guess I was uh, 16, 17 years old. And um, I had just heard of the the drink, the Rob Roy. And so I thought it was a great name. And I thought it was a, a very, very sexy type name. Although when I tried the drink, I just thought it was horrible. I didn't like it at all. But I liked the name. So I submitted the name to them. And they loved it. And that's how we became the Rob Roys.
0: So um, I was cracking up when I read that it's a a cocktail, correct?
1: That's correct. (laughs) Have you ever had one?
0: Okay. So I never, I never drank. I didn't like the taste of any alcohol. Um, so no, I didn't, but what's in it?
1: It's a scotch and vermouth. So if a, if a, if a uh, martini is vodka or gin and vermouth, this is scotch and vermouth. And, um, and so that's the drink. I, it's, it's not one of my favorite drinks, and I really don't drink it, but I do like
0: the name. That's so funny. Well, vermouth is an Italian thing, so I grew up with that, and I didn't like it either. Okay? <laughs> okay. So, So okay. it's safe to say this is probably an Italian drink, baby. All right. Okay, we'll say it. <laughs> so um, I have a few of your songs in queue. And of course, the one I want to play first, we all know, is Pizza Pie. But, ta-
1: well, you know, it's so interesting about Pizza Pie. Yes. Um, it, it, it was a, a little song that, that, um, that I wrote many, many years ago. And that was before uh, there was a pizza place on every corner in the world. And we used to go to our favorite Italian restaurant where I lived in the Bronx. And I just absolutely <laughs> adored pizza. So I figured that it was a great subject to write a little something about. I was writing things about a lot of different things. So I I started to write about pizza pie, and that's how the song came to be. Um, uh, uh, About three or four weeks ago, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, it was National Pizza Day, and wow, my phone rang off the hook. (laughs) I I never realized that it was National Pizza Day
2: well, we were standing on the sidewalk, just admiring the view, and we thought that we would go downtown and find something to do. And we saw this place upon the corner; and it looked real swell. So we opened the door, we went inside. This is what we yell now: pizza. kids and they're the apple of my eye and they're growing big and strong and tall and their heads right up to the sky now some may wonder why they're so healthy this is my reply because they be- to make it before I hit the sky and that request is something no man in his right mind did not deny Cause when they put me six feet under i'm taking a great big pizza find now, pizza yeah 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 yeah
0: love the, the song i'm italian right how could i not love that song um so when you wrote this song did you get were people laughing i mean in a good way you know what i mean like like this is so cool
1: well you know it was uh, it's it's an interesting thing because it was the first record that we made for Capitol, and they loved it um and the flip side of it was dream girl So um, I wrote Dream Girl on the subway uh, coming home from school. And um, it was just supposed to be a B-side. And um, what was interesting about it is uh, recently, over the past 10, 15, 20 years, Pizza Pie has, I mean, Dream Girl has become really the number one side of that. So, you know, you People don't laugh. They they associate things with uh, with the period of time that they lived in. And if they thought that it was a cute little song then and they're looking back 30, 40, 50 years and they hear the song, they associate it with it and they take it uh, to be one of their own. And I get great, great accolades yes. about it and uh, just love it. I, well, lo- I love the accolades. Yes. I love the notes that people send me about it. And uh, it's just a a lot of fun. So yes. the whole experience with Piece of Guy has been just a great, uplifting piece of fun for me.
0: I love it. I giggle when I hear it in such a good way. I'm like, this is so cool. Um, who were the members with that song?
1: Um, the Capitol Records, so it, it was myself. It was Bob Farah, who was the baritone in the group. Uh, he... Unfortunately, just passed away a couple of months ago. so sorry. Uh, There was Bob Trotman, who was the first tenor. And then there was Andre Lilly, who was the second tenor. And the bass on that record was a guy named Paul Schniller.
0: Very cool. So we have a mutual friend, Alex Augustine, alley boy. Um, He actually lives in my town, believe it or not, 10 minutes away. Uh, what a coincidence, and um, I have a special hello for you, so here we go. Hello,
1: everybody, this is Alex Augustine of the Alex Augustine's Rock and Roll Rhythm and Blues Show, and you're listening to Jerry Petito and my friend Norman Fox. Hi, Norman, hope everything is well. I uh, had a pleasure working with you from 1989 to 1995. Radio City, Westbury, it was a blast. Take care, my friend, and be well.
0: So that's your hello from
1: yeah, Alex. Yeah, it's always it's always great to hear from Alex. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great guy. We had a lot of fun. We had some great experiences. And uh, what he's doing now, he's a great proponent of the music. <clears throat> and uh, he keeps it alive. And uh, in, I, I want to be able to support him in any way that I can because I think it's just a wonderful cause to keep our music Going the way
0: it is. You're right about that. So I want to tell you before we play, I'm actually going to play Dream Girl second. Before we play that, so in my town, it's in Mercer County. It's now in Robbinsville, New Jersey. It used to be in Trenton forever, and they moved it right to Robbinsville. Um, Papa's Tomato Pies. It is the oldest tomato pie place ever in the nation. It's over 100 years old. Same family runs it.
1: That's great.
0: So what we did was we all met one day for lunch there. We were all sitting outside. We had a couple tables. Alex and a bunch of other f- entertainer friends, um, and um, he sang Pizza Pie for everybody in honor yeah. of you. It was really, really. Bob Kulick was there. It was so much fun. So we had a great time. I love time.
1: it. I love okay. It. And I love to hear stories like that. That's just great.
0: Okay. And he had us all smiling and giggling, and and everybody, all the um, guests that were sitting outside that we didn't know, were were like, "This is so cool!" So, and it was in honor of you, <laughs> Norman. Okay.
1: Wonderful.
0: So here we go. So now, let's play "Dream Girl," and then we'll have you talk a little bit more about it. Okay. So here we go, sure. guys. Dream Girl. <laughs> So tell us about this song.
1: Well, this is uh, just, uh, it's it's a love song. Um, It was a a song that, as I said, I wrote on the A train because I used to go to school down on uh, 8th Avenue and uh, 27th Street. When I'd come back uptown, uh, I would hear the clicking of of the subway car and the rolling, And so I just got very nostalgic. And maybe I was very lonesome and looking for a girlfriend at that time. But whatever it was, the song came to me and I wrote it in in maybe 15 minutes. And, of course, it it, it wasn't the entire song. You put the finishing touches on these things as you go along. But it was probably the easiest song that I ever wrote. It just was a natural flow and... uh, and when we when we played it for uh, Capitol, they just loved it, and they wanted to put it on on the backside of Pizza Pie. But I get so many so many accolades uh, from people all over the world that that have sort of adopted this song as theirs. I mean, people that you know, second marriages where they walk down the aisle to it, and they tell me these stories, and and it's just wonderful to hear them.
0: Well, you know, hearing you talk about being in the subway and on the train and, you know, I grew up in Long Island City, New York, and I moved out of there when I was 11 to New Jersey. But I went back and lived in Astoria with my nana and went to art school in 1979, School of Visual Arts, and I used to take the subway. And I just, when you just said what you said about it, it brought back this warm and fuzzy feeling for me. So now when I hear that song, I'm gonna hear it a little differently. Even more beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. That's that's a a, a wonderful thing to say. I also have to tell you a little extension of sure. that about uh, about. Um, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, I wanted to to write something in in the vein of of Dream Girl, but something that was current. So that it was, uh, you know, after 50 years or something, but the melody was so great. So I came up with the anniversary song, and um, it has the same background and the same instrumentation that Dream Girl has, but it's it's like the story of somebody who fell in love 50 years ago, and now they're have celebrating their 50th anniversary, and it's in the same connotation if you or your fans go to YouTube, they can see the anniversary song, but we've got about a quarter of a million views on it already. Oh, wow. So it's just great. It's beautiful. Just great.
0: Okay, I will do that. Absolutely. So I want to talk about how old you were when you really started all this, started singing. How old were you?
1: I was uh, about 15 years old, and um, I had heard... Um, uh, in my high school, I went to DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx, and somebody told me about a radio program that uh, that was on WINS radio, and I listened to it, and it was Alan Freed, who had recently come in from Cleveland, Ohio, and the name of his show was called Moondock. And so I started listening to it, and it was just so fantastic. It was such a different kind of music than we were used to hearing the the, the regular pop music. And I started to emulate those wonderful vocal groups and those singers that I heard on Alan Freed's radio show. So um, we went to, in school, we formed a group and um we you know we looked for different voices so that we could have harmonies and um i was about 15 16 when we finally put together a group uh that we thought that could be decent and uh we sang in the boys bathroom where there was an echo and um and it was just great so we sang for school functions we sang on the corner we sang for congress you know for we we were kids all congregated on uh, street corners in our neighborhood, and then uh, you know, little by little, we we got different gigs at small parties and things, and um, we we decided at that time we would look for to see if we could get a record contract.
0: So you said you used the word echo in the in the bathroom. That reminds me of a funny, cute little story. You may know this. I'm not sure, but I'd love to share it with all your fans as well. So I interviewed Kenny Vance a while ago and he told this story that just cracked me up. Um, and if you know it, let me know. So him and his buddies wanted to record a record and they went, they walked down to, there was like, you know, it was easy back then, I guess. You just walked into these little recording studios in New York, wherever, right? Philly, whatever. And right. they would record you if they wanted to, whatever. So they walked in and they said they would like to sing their song and see if they could get it recorded. And the person at the desk said, well, we're very busy today. So come back tomorrow or the next day or whatever, and we'll we'll see. So they go home, back to his house, and they tell his mother, Did you hear this story about his? No, I haven't heard it. I
1: haven't heard it.
0: Okay, and his mother says, "You guys go back there right now, and you tell that person that your mother said they have to do it." And they (laughs) they did. They did. They went back and said, "Um, "Well, my mother said." to tell you to please, we, we have to do it. And they did it for them. They said, well, if your mother said, we have to.
1: That's a great story, Jerry. I've cool? tell you. I haven't heard
0: it before. Isn't that cool? Imagine today, walking in there and saying, my mother said you have to record me. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it really like back then, Norman? Tell me. Like, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories from different, you know, entertainers. Um, but what was it really like to just, like, walk into these places and have your music recorded?
1: Well, this is a funny story. This is a great story, too, because the, uh, when we were looking to record a record, um, one of the guys in our group, you know, we were the first mixed-race
0: Yes, I'm glad country. you brought that up. I have that in my notes. Yes.
1: So one of the guys from Harlem had a friend who had a record store on 145th Street, just off 3rd Avenue. There used to be a, a, a 3rd Avenue L there that's, of course, no longer there but he had a small little record store and we went down to audition for him. The store was so small that half the guys were outside and half the guys were inside because that's how small the store was. But we, we auditioned for the guy and he liked what he heard, so that's what he did. He, he brought up, he had a connection with the Duke organization, Duke Peacock out of Houston, Texas. And he brought up the A&R man and he interviewed us, and he uh, we sang for him. he liked what he heard very much, and so he went back down and, and before we know it, uh, they came to us and they had a contract we had a contract of course, the contracts in those days were not worth the paper they were written on, and mm. we could go into a whole bunch of stories about that right. but that's how that's how we started, and we weren't we didn't care about making money. We didn't care about anything. We didn't have any managers. We just wanted to be popular, and we wanted to impress the girls in our neighborhood, <laughs> and then we just wanted to record a record, and that's that's what happened. That's how it started.
0: Well, Al Contrera from The Mystics, you know he wrote that book, right? Right. Okay, The Mob, and, you know, I never knew all these stories. I was, well, you know, I always say I was born too late. I would be that girl with the blue suede shoes, the, you know, ponytail, the black leather jacket and the poodle skirt, all of it. Okay. I loved it all. I loved it all. And, um, I just actually turned 61 March 7th. So I'm not, I'm not a baby, but I'm a little younger than most of the people with this music, but. It's all I grew up with, listening to your music and oldies and doo-wop and Elvis. And when I started hearing all these stories of what really went on back then, even Lala Brooks, she had me cracking up with her story about what went on back then. Uh, I didn't uh, know. You know, I thought everybody was happy and everybody was making money and it was all great. But what what I love hearing from you and a lot of the other entertainers as well is that they didn't really do it for the money they did it for the joy for the happiness for what it brought to them and it shows what you guys have done has brought that happiness to us and i want to thank you for that tell me
2: why why the stars in the sky
0: Tell me why. Tell us about the song.
1: Well, tell me why was written by myself and Buzzy Hellfan, who was the bass in the group. And it was the first, uh, it was the first song, I guess that we wrote, uh, that we were serious about and uh, it was, it was a great song. So this is the song that we used when we went down to interview in that record shop that I told you about. Right. And, um, and um and it turned out we, we got very lucky with the song it turned out to be uh you know our biggest song and um it was it, it was just it was just wonderful um we were played on the radio another thing that you may not know is that um, uh this this record company that we went with was was basically out of Houston Texas and it it was called peacock Duke um they were uh, a, a basically a black record company and they wanted to bring in some uh white or some mixed race acts. So they we were the first one that they were interested in. And um but they were a big record company. They had a lot of major stars on the Chitlin circuit for a lot of years. Um and so we went with them and uh they didn't, they didn't really promote the record to the great extent they didn't have the national uh way to do that or they didn't have the expertise to do it but we did have a break because alan freed actually was a neighbor of mine he lived in my building oh. and i didn't know it but oh. you know i once i did know it i went to him and asked him <laughs> if he would give us a couple of spins and he did and so we got some uh we got some play out of it
0: so I have a couple cool questions for you. I love asking my legendary entertainers this question. So who have you met? And and I know it's going to be a hard, you can't just say one person, I get it. But who were some of the, the people you met that really impacted your life and who haven't you been able to meet that you wish you could have?
1: Okay, well, here's a very interesting thing for you, because in addition to recording for Capitol Records, I also worked for Capitol Records as the assistant to the studio director on 46th Street. They had a New York studio on 46th Street between, uh, uh, between 6th Avenue and Broadway. And in that studio, I met everybody under the sun. So um, one of the people that I met that was probably... Uh, gave, it was, was just very, very important to me that I thought was not King Cole.
0: Huh?
1: Um, he was in the studio, and he was recording all his old menoral hit records into stereo when stereo first came in. So he spent about a month there, and mm-hmm. I, I, I was with him a lot. I was so impressed with him. Uh, I thought he was just a fantastic guy, and I loved the way that he wore his fame because he was he was just not stuck up in any way, manner, shape, or form. He was a down-to-earth, just terrific, terrific guy. I also met Jackie Gleason. Oh, my gosh, I'm so jealous. That
0: King Cole and Jackie Gleason. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Continue.
1: <laughs> Jackie <laughs> Gleason was just fantastic as well. And, um, I mean, I met... Everybody in in that studio, we you know we did some wonderful wonderful recording. I was in the studio when Ray Charles recorded "Georgia on My Mind." Please
0: stop. Okay, continue. <laughs>
1: and and he he they he there was a first song that he recorded for uh, the um, ABC Paramount. He was originally on Atlantic, but he left Atlantic. And the first album he made was called The Genius Hits the Road. And it was about every state. So there was a song about every state. I'm Alabama bound, uh, Carolina on my mind, whatever the thing was. And then he came to Georgia and he recorded this magnificent song. And for nine months, they didn't release the song. I don't know why they were sitting on it, but I thought it was the greatest thing that I had ever heard. And then finally they released it. And of course the rest was history. It went to number one, but I'd met, you know, all of those people. And it was just, I I can't even name them. It was just one after another. It was just fabulous.
0: So I'm so jealous. Okay. All right. So now I'm an Elvis girl. Okay. Did you you ever get to meet Elvis? I
1: never met Elvis. So I'm mm-hmm. sorry to tell you.
0: Uh, <laughs> I would have met you and pinched you if you did. Okay.
1: My, my wife my wife is from L.A. And she loved Elvis. And she used to follow him around when he came out here. She used to stand outside the hotels and and wait for him. So I understand what you're
0: talking about. Oh, honey. Listen, you you understand only a little bit. Trust me on that one, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You could never really, truly understand. (laughs) You know, I got to interview Elvis's nurse, Mary, and she's, I think, 96 or 97 now. She's still doing well. I love her. She even sent me the book she wrote about him. Um And I got a hello from Priscilla. I was supposed to meet her through COVID. I'm hoping that still happens. Uh, I was interviewed at Graceland by George Klein, which was really cool. And I got to interview the gentleman that goes by, Elvis Aaron Presley Jr., who was awarded the name legally by the courts of his father. I have the papers. It was very cool, I got to say.
1: Absolutely. It was very cool.
0: Um, So... But, you know, I have the ticket that I never made it to the concert. It's framed in my right. Elvis room um, because he passed away. So I'm okay. You know, God is good, and uh, Elvis's music will always be here. And so, and I'm glad that your wife is an Elvis fan because she'll understand. Okay. So now, having said that, <clears throat> I am going to play... Let's... Oh, you know what I want to play? Dance Girl. Let's play that, okay? And then we'll talk...
2: Dance, girl, dance And while you're dancing Why not dancing
0: about Dance Girl Dance, baby?
1: Well, Dance Girl Dance was, um, you know, uh, everything was about dancing in those days. And um, I wanted to write a song that had the subject of dancing in it because, uh, you know, there was all kinds of things going on, the dance programs, American Bandstand, all of those type of shows. And dancing was a big part of our lives. So any show that you did or any, any party that you went to, the kids were dancing, and so I thought that I would write a song about it, and so that's what I did. And uh, so Dance Girl Dance became the follow-up to Tell Me Why uh, on Backbeat Records, and it didn't uh, do as well. It sold some records, but it didn't do as well as as Tell Me Why, but it was a good song, and I I have it in my act, and I do it, you know, wherever I go.
0: Well, people love it regardless of how well it did and when you sing it and people are in the audience they love it trust me right you know okay. that you know that so um okay. so let me ask you something when you were growing up what who who was your favorite singer back then and what other kind of musical genres have you listened to over the years that you really enjoy
1: well growing up i uh... The, the original music that I listened to was, uh, was the traditional pop music. So when you, when you talk about, um, <clears throat> I, I listened to K star. I listened to, um, uh, let me see. Let me see what, what jumps out at me here in those days. It, it'll come to me, okay. whatever, it, whatever it is. It was the traditional Patty page. Oh, right. Um, Frankie Lane. Yes. Um people like that were the pop stars of that era before I got enthralled with with, with, with rock and roll music. You know, now we call it duo, but this was originally the original rock and roll music was coined the phrase rock and roll was coined by Alan Freed. And so everything branched out from there and now there were so many different genres of rock and roll music that they relegated the original stuff to called doo because those were the backgrounds that we used to sing. They were all kinds of doo type of backgrounds. And so that's how they got the name doo-wop. So, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue,
0: no, no, you continue. Then I'll ask you.
1: So um, that was the original music that I loved. Until, um, until I heard the, uh, the rock and roll music. and Over the years, um, I have loved, as I said before, I loved Matt King Cole. I loved Frank Sinatra during the uh, 60s and 70s when he made his tremendous comeback right. with all of the rhythm and the Nelson Riddle uh, arrangements. Uh, I loved those. Uh, I love Peggy Lee. Uh, As a matter of fact, we recorded Peggy Lee when I worked for Capitol at Basin Street East, and it was a tremendous, tremendous thrill for me to meet her and to work with her. And then uh, I also liked um, many of the other uh, Tony Bennett was a was a great guy, and he, in addition to that, he also lived in my building, and um, I met him in the elevator. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: So, yeah, I mean, he's just a great guy, and, um, <clears throat> and we just saw him a couple of years ago. You know, he's well into his 90s, and he's failing now, but he still puts on a tremendous show, and the audience loved him. We saw him at the Hollywood Bowl. So it was really he he was just great. So that's the kind of music I like. But in addition to that, over the years I've learned a number of things that you may you you and your audience may find interesting. My son became a classical conductor.
0: Oh my gosh. And he, has,
1: and he conducts uh orchestras in New York he has an orchestra in New York called Clarion Music. And they travel all over the world doing the great classical sounds. In addition to that, he is the director of music and uh, the principal conductor at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. So he introduced me to classical music, which I never was into all my life. And I'm really loving it, and I just enjoy it immensely. I love listening. Going to his concerts, so it's a wide variety of things, and you really learn as you go.
0: What is your son's name?
1: Stephen Fox.
0: Okay, so Stephen Fox, how the heck did he get into classical music with you as his dad?
1: Well, you know what's so interesting? <clears throat> he started out when he was a kid in high school, they formed a rock group, and they actually played at the bitter end. In New York. That's where I saw them the first time. And he was the lead singer. He was great. And he still loves rock music. He loves all kinds of music. But he's, he's really a very, very accomplished uh, conductor. And uh, he's actually got a... Uh, they're doing a concert down in D.C. this Sunday. It's probably the largest orchestra that he's ever conducted. It'll be around 120 musicians. That's crazy.
0: That's that's a crazy story, because we would never think that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And still comes to our concert. <laughs> if I do a show, he loves to come. And uh, and he's a great proponent of of wop music. He loves it.
0: Well, give him a thumbs up from me, man. Stephen Fox. Absolutely. That's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. Okay, I'm
0: a little surprised, man. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Okay, my okay. pleasure.
0: so... Um let's play the final song I have in queue. It's called Lonely Boy. So what we could do is play it first and then we'll talk about it, okay? <laughs> about that. Are you a lonely boy?
1: I was. Okay. I wrote songs about my my situations in life and maybe, I don't think that I was lonely, but I I thought it was a great subject for a song and I love the song. I think it's got great rhythm. Uh, We recorded it for Capitol. It's got some terrific sounds and the people who follow the music and who follow me love this song. So yeah it, was, it is a great song i like it very much and uh and it's always a pleasure for me to sing and perform
0: you know um everyone can relate to all of your songs and that's what makes it so amazing and I, for one, will never stop playing the music. And, you know, even young artists, I just want to share this with you, and you probably know this, but I've interviewed a lot of incredible up-and-coming new artists and uh, award-winning artists, 17, 18. I even interviewed someone who's 10 years old who's going to be a superstar. And um, do you know they all love oldies? Yes, of
1: course. Isn't
0: that amazing? And they say without that, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I find that, and I'm very, very encouraged by it more now than ever <clears throat> before. But I, 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 love to hear that, and everybody loves duop music. Everybody.
0: It's amazing. It makes me, it makes me smile when I hear young people saying that. You know, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so how it's many, how many children do you have?
1: I have two children. Okay. I told you about my son. Yep. I also have a daughter. Okay. Now, she's in the music business. She has a great, great voice. And she was the first uh, female artist signed to DreamWorks Records when they went into business. And um, she put out a couple of albums for them. It's soft rock. She hated the business. She hated performing. Oh. And uh, she decided to leave. And she became a photographer. She still writes music. And she still sings, but she does it for herself. She does not want to get on a stage ever again. But she is a, a, a food photographer. And she, I love she that. travels all over the world photographing food for cookbooks, for great restaurants. She's really extremely talented. And so that's where her talent went in that direction.
0: What is her name?
1: Her name is Kim Fox. Well, the name of her company is Kim Fox Photography.
0: Kim Fox, from Jerry to you. I just want to tell you something, girlfriend. I am a vegan chef. I am also into uh, taking photos of all my food. And everywhere I go, I take photos of the food. I've been all over the world. I've taken food photos everywhere. In Italy, fig trees, figs. I love it. If you ever want an interview, girlfriend, we will talk about food. Okay?
1: <laughs> okay. That would be great, Jerry.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. I thought I was the only crazy person that takes photographs of food.
1: Well, she does it and she does it very well, and uh, she's got a major, major reputation.
0: So, just real quick about her, if you don't mind. So, she has an amazing voice, great talent. What made her not want to really pursue that?
1: Some people have a phobia about getting on stage and performing in front of people. Okay. Now, Kim, Kim had that phobia. Gotcha. And she, she was just fabulous when she'd get out there, but she went through hell before she got on stage and she just didn't want to go through that. I mean, she was on the Tonight Show. She was on a a number of different things. Gotcha. Performed in many places, but it was too uncomfortable for her. Listen, everybody has to do their thing and be happy.
0: No, that's right. You know, even Elvis Presley, and I'm sure you know this, before every concert, he would pace backstage till the second he got on the stage. So, yeah. So, all right. So, Norman, what an incredible, incredible interview. Um, I'm going to give you the mic. You can share anything and everything. We haven't said that you would like your fans to hear your info, maybe up and coming shows, whatever it is, uh, websites. It, the mic is yours, whatever we left out, any other story you want to tell the mic is yours.
1: Well, thank you so much. I just want to tell your fans that it's a pleasure for me to be interviewed by you. And, um, it's always a great interview when we do this. Um, you can uh, follow me and just go to normanfoxandtherobroys.com. That's my website. My music, my photos, everything is on there. Uh, schedule of what we're doing. I'm doing some work, and I have. Uh, we. I was out from COVID for uh, for a while, uh, for a couple of years. I didn't perform. Uh, but I'm going back uh, to New York to do a show on April 23rd. It's Doop Weekend by Laura Enterprises. It'll be my first show in a long time. And then I just signed last week for a couple of cruises next year. So all of that will be on my website. In addition to that, your fans can go to YouTube and follow me on the Norman Fox channel and I would love it if they would subscribe. I'm in the process of getting together some material. I'm going to record a new album. And I'm very, very excited about the music. So that's where I'm going. And other than that, I'm just looking out my window. I'm on the 15th floor, and I'm overlooking Los Angeles. It's a beautiful day. (laughs) I, I just hope everybody is having a beautiful day. And I thank you so much for having me on this uh, interview.
0: Well, before I say my thank yous, let me do my little spiel here. Um, okay. So everyone and, and anyone out there who knows me knows I am the author of, I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. I'd rather be a smart ass than a dumb ass guys, because 30 years ago, 31 now, 31 years ago, I was a dumb ass, but through the grace of God, 31 years later, I can honestly say I'm now a smart ass. And yes, the word ass is in the Bible at least 40 times. It means donkey, guys, and that's what I was. Everyone, everyone needs help in some area. I want everyone to know I'm a nutritional health coach and I'm a recovery coach. All my services to you are free. If anyone out there needs help, please, please reach out. Everyone should know that there's always someone out there to listen to them. If anyone needs my book, you can get it through Simon & Schuster Archway Publishing Bookstore. Um, And if someone cannot afford my book and really would like it, please let me know that as well. Having said all that, please go to my YouTube channel as well, The Jerry Petito Show YouTube channel, and please subscribe. I've got some really cool and great things happening. Having said that, my darling Norman Fox, what more can I say except thank you, thank you, thank you, what an honor and a pleasure it was interviewing you. Our interviews are not over. You are amazing, and I want to thank you and say I love you for giving this extreme honor to me today, okay? This interview was awesome. Um, I think you're incredible. And you know, Norman, all kidding aside, any time I told anyone that I was going to be interviewing you... They all giggled and said, The pizza pie guy? Okay, I have to tell you that. So you bring smiles to everyone's faces.
1: Well, thank you, Jerry. It's a pleasure being with you. I'm sure we'll be together again. Yes. And uh, take care of yourself.
2: Be
0: well. You too. And I'll speak to soon. I'm going to show you guys. <laughs> well,
2: we. We're standing on the sidewalk, just admiring the view, and we thought that we would go downtown and find something to do, and when we saw this place upon the corner, it looked real swell, so we opened the door, we went inside, this is what we yell now. And they're the apple of my eye And they grow big and strong and tall And their heads right up to the sky Now some may wonder why they're so healthy This is my reply Cause they've been born and bred Before I hit the sky, and that request is something no man in his right mind did not deny. Cause when they put me six feet under, I'm taking a great big pizza Fine now, pizza.